Welcome to the porch. I'm Richard Grun. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basic, by examining the Word of God and especially the example of the Book of Acts Church to see how the early church served the Lord. By delving deeper into Scripture, we find the church the Lord intended and not the one that man created. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world-shaking influence that the early church had. The church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is on going the fire of the upper room still burns if you have any questions go to firefalltalkradio.com use the contact button or you can write us directly at the porch lowercase one word at firefalltalkradio.com if you'd like to support us there are ways to do so go to the firefall talk radio homepage. we appreciate your support and encouragement welcome to all of our listeners from the various streaming platforms remember we can always be found on apple podcast google Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. So far as sound, it's time to get started. We always start out praise reports and prayer requests. The community part of the porch, if you don't want to be a part of that, just go right to the second shofar that takes you into the Bible study. And please, if you um, are enjoying these or you have a topic you'd like to, me to cover or whatever, reach out. Let us know. We um, appreciate those of you that do. And uh, we just um, want to interact with you. If you want to be a part of the community, please do so. We always start out with praise reports, and I know maybe this gets monotonous, and you don't know why I keep doing it, but I won't stop. I can't stop. The rocks will cry out to praise them, and I'm not going to let the rocks outpraise me. So I praise them for my home. First of all, for my salvation. Without that, I have nothing. I don't have any of the things I'm about to mention. And even after 33-plus years, I am still incredibly thankful and acknowledge it every day. But I do have a home, a home he's given to us that he allows me to do this in. I have a wife of 42 years. I have sons and daughter-in-laws, grandsons, furry kids, all these possessions, everything we have. So many people have so much less. I can never not be thankful. I praise him for his provision, for relationship, for interaction, for protection, for the dreams and the visions and the revelation and the favor and everything that he's given to us through his Holy Spirit. I praise him for the healing virtues and the divine health that he offers us. That we are new creations. And he allows me to live in these prophetic times. Times that I've studied about. Times I've heard about. And now times I can talk to you about. And that means we need to pray. Oh boy do we need to pray. Well, we always start out with what scripture says. Psalm 122 verse 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. 
So I do. I pray for Israel. I pray for its leadership. I pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters. I pray for the church, his church, for America. We need favor. We need grace. We need a change. We need the Holy Spirit to, to blow over this land. I pray for all the people being victimized by their leadership, especially here in America. I don't get political. I don't talk about it, but let's get real. The two-party system is one big scam. It's a joke on us. It's one party, and we're not invited. But my hope is not in them. My hope is in the Lord. I pray for the fatherless and the widows, the persecuted and the martyred, the bound, the oppressed, the innocent, and those that are victims of injustice. I pray for them each and every day. I think of them often, especially those that are being persecuted and slaughtered for their faith. The slaughter of the innocents, both in and out of the womb, both human and animal. The missing and exploited children. The victims of human trafficking, both young and old. For the brothers and sisters I've mentioned, both Jew and believer that are being slaughtered, they're being persecuted, they're being driven out of their homes and having their places of worship destroyed, and that growing religious persecution both against the church and against Israel, that anti-Semitism, the rise of the spirit of the Antichrist. But as long as we, the church, are here, we can push back, we can pray, we can stand up against it. I pray for divine wholeness, health, and healing. So many are suffering right now. Some, it's been done to us. Some of it we've done to ourselves. He gave us orders on how to take care of ourselves, and we haven't been diligent to do so. So I pray if there's any correction needed, you'd make it. I pray if you need healing, that the Holy Spirit would touch you right now, that the Lord would touch you. That in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, you would believe and receive his healing in heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. I just ask him for all of us, for me and my family, for fellow members of SRT and the people that are a part of this community, and for you, even if you're not, for him to protect you, to show you the authority that you have and the ability to hide under the shadow of his wings, for inspiration to come to inspire you to pray, to inspire you to tell others about him. And if you're a part of that remnant, that end-time remnant, I pray each and every day that you would wake up and answer the call, that if you've been blessed, that you'd be a blessing that the doors to the projects and the plans and everything he's called us to do would fly open with the full provision needed, kingdom finances for kingdom business, and for all of our lost family members. What is the point if we don't tell them first? What is the point if you don't let them know what he's done for you and ask them, do they want to know him? So, Lord, I come to you. Actually, I've been spending a lot of time with you lately. And you've been really talkative. And I'm praying that some of what you've shared will come through tonight. But I thank you. I thank you for your love. 
I thank you for your blessing. I thank the Father for his love and his blessing. For him sending you to die for us. You paid our debts. You cleared our bills. And you reconciled us to the Father. Never, ever, ever will we take that for granted. But we so desperately need you right now. We need to hear from you. We need a touch from you. We need to feel the abiding presence of your Holy Spirit and understand it is not an external manifestation. It's an inside out. Stoke the fire. Send it down, Lord. Send it inside of us. Some people have gone out completely and they're they're fading away. Some have not burned very hot for a long time. And some may be burning hot, but it's just not enough. So we ask for more. We ask for more. We ask for you. Holy Spirit, have your way tonight. Protect us, the technology, everything that we have going on. Let this word go forth. Let it bear fruit. Let it manifest what you want it to manifest. And I pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information, except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. I've been talking about the Great Commission a lot, and it's really been on my mind. Watching the world in the shape that it's in, watching people desperately needing a Savior. It's become much more important than it ever has before. And as I said last week, the purpose of the Great Commission was to get us to go and tell others. It was never meant for us to be stagnant or immobile. It was meant for action and change. And in doing so, we will face persecution and attack, both natural and supernatural. But in the midst of all of that, in the midst of everything you're going through, in the midst of whatever is enveloping you right now, I have a message for you. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. I know it looks bad. I know some of you are in the darkness, even though that light is right there, you still feel like it's out of reach. You've been delivered one blow after another. And that little voice from the enemy is saying, quit, give up. Don't, don't, don't give up. Don't lose hope. First Peter 3.15 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Sanctify means set apart. Set apart your heart for him because of him. It's amazing that with his love and everything he's done for us and the Holy Spirit itself is self-replicating. As long as we allow it to move and flow, 
it keeps going. It's when we shut it down. It's when we push it away that we lose its benefits. He's the reason for our hope in all situations. The life we live should be lived in faith-filled expectation. And believe me, I know it's tough. I've been, like I said, I've been saved a little over 33 years, almost 34. And a lot of the dreams and the visions and the words that he gave me were from day one. And they've yet to be fulfilled. But I'm holding on. I'm continuing to hope. I'm continuing to believe. Habakkuk 2, verses 2 and 3 says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it surely will come. It will not tarry. That means there is an expectation of the vision, the God-given vision, of being completed because he's the one who gave it. The disappointment comes from the false words, from erroneous thinking. You've been set up to expect something that's not really going to happen. You've been given words of prophecy, and I'm doing the finger thing, prophecy that didn't come from God. And there are so many places that do it on a regular basis. People prophesy over you. I've seen very few of those prophecies come true. I'm not saying they don't come true at times. I've had them done by reputable people that God confirmed the word by two or three witnesses. But this practice of people speaking over you, whatever comes into their spirit, should always be set aside and confirmed before you latch your hope onto it. But write the vision, make it plain. My brother Larry and I we were talking and praying today, and the Lord, the Lord and I had some great time. I was sitting in the sun getting my vitamins, and he was very talkative. We had a meeting. He was clarifying some things very forcefully at times, making sure I understood, confirming aspects of the dreams and the visions that I've realized, you know, I talk about it, and I did write them down, but I've, I've got to go back and make it plain. I've got to put it someplace that I can see it to remind myself that his promises are yea and amen. And that even includes health health, and, and, and all the other things that line up with his word. But if he gave it, it will happen. But in his timing. That word expectation is the actor state of expecting means anticipation, something expected. It means assurance. It means the prospects of an inheritance. Well, there's another word in the Bible for it. It's called hope. Hope is confident expectation. It's not wishful thinking. That's the worldly aspect of it. No, we have hope. We have a confident expectation. If you're not confident, in what you believe, if you're not confident in what you are to receive, if you're not confident in what 
his word says, that's where I would focus if I were you. I would focus on why not. Have you allowed your disappointments to cloud that? Has the enemy been allowed to come in and whisper and throw a blanket on your hope? You know, you throw a blanket on a fire, it smothers it, it keeps oxygen from feeding it, and the fire goes out. Some of you have let the fire go out. Do whatever you have to do to to drive the fire up. Get some air in there. Praise and worship. Do whatever you need to do to get fired up. David says in Psalm 62, starting with verse 5, For God alone my soul waits in silence. For God alone my soul waits in silence and quietly submits to him. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress and my defense. I will not be shaken or discouraged. O God, my salvation and my glory, on God, my salvation and my glory rest. He is my rock of unyielding strength. My refuge is in God. Trust confidently in him at all times, O people. Pour your heart out before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. And we know Selah is a musical term, means pause. But what David's doing is reflect. Let it sink in. Your hope is from him. And it will not be shaken or discouraged as long as you keep your hope upon him. You know, you could take Psalm 62, verses 5 through 8. Read it out loud as a prayer. Pray it over yourself. Speak it into your spirit. Everything in this world right now is about crushing you. It's about breaking you spiritually, mentally, physically, financially. And the the reason they want to do that is to subject you. And many people will be. Some have already given up. But the Lord's saying, rise up. Stand. And when having done all, stand. Your hope is him alone. Pour out your heart heart before him. Expectation correlates to trusting in him and trusting that he is as good as his word. He's not a liar or a man that he should lie. He's not a practical joker because he hasn't done it in your timing or what you thought doesn't mean he's not going to do it. Expectation is knowing that he is as good as his word. And there is an expectation of his help when we turn to him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened by religious rituals that provide no peace, and I will give you rest, refreshing your souls with salvation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, following me as my disciple. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest, renewal, blessed quiet for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. It's Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. There's no peace in religion. None. 
It only comes through relationship. And you would wonder, if that's the case, why do so many people get caught up in religion? Why do so many people go back to the law? It doesn't take any emotional commitment on your part. It's performance-based. You can do that in sin. You can do that without any faith. You can do that without any connection to him at all. Relationship takes effort. Relationship is interaction. Relationship means you bear yourself before him. You're willing to stand in front of him just as you are. Striving to perform or earn tires us out. I've never seen a happy person that's religious. I've never seen a happy person that tries to live under the law. Because it causes us to lose hope. The Lexham Bible Dictionary says hope is the confidence that by integrating God's redemptive acts in the past with trusting human responses in the present, the faithful will experience the fullness of God's goodness both in the present and in the future. Wait a second, Richard. You said I didn't have to do anything for it. Well, he does it, but you still have to adhere to his rules. You still have to obey him. Biblical faith, it goes on to say, rests on the trustworthiness of God to keep his promises. The biblical view of hope is thus significantly different from that found in ancient Greek philosophy. The Greeks recognized that human beings expressed hope by nature. However, this kind of hope reflects both good and bad experiences, meaning it's influenced by the external. The future was thus a production or projection of one's own subjective individual or prejudiced possibilities. That's not biblical hope. Biblical hope avoids this subjectivity by being founded on something that provides a significant basis for confidence in its fulfillment. God and his redemptive acts as they culminate in the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. Now, I was thinking about this today as I meditated on this word. And by the way, meditate doesn't mean to clear your mind and open yourself up. No, meditating means you fixate on his word. You fill yourself with his word. You set your mind on him. If you empty yourself the way the other people meditate, something's going to fill it. But as I thought about it, as I pondered it, I realized so many people have hope in all the wrong things. But when you focus on him, when you focus on his word, it tweaks or it focuses like a lens on the things of the word, on the things of the spirit. But the word does just the opposite. It wants you to be selfish, self-centered. It wants you to turn inward when the Bible's saying turn towards him. Romans fifteen thirteen says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, hope is not natural, it's supernatural. And it comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. So how can an unsaved person have hope? 
No, they can't have the kind of hope I'm talking to you about. But if we come to him with our heaviness and our burdens, whatever they might be, he will give us rest. If we take his yoke and learn from his humility and gentleness, we find rest for our souls. And isn't that where you're uneasy? Isn't that where the heaviness is? Isn't that what keeps you awake at night? It's in your soul. But if we're always striving, if we're always trying, if we're always struggling, what we get is uneasiness and tiredness, not rest. Sometimes when I'm talking to the Lord, even the Father, I tell him, I don't use the word tired. I say I'm weary. I will keep going. I will keep going. But I'm weary. I'm weary of the struggle. I'm weary of the weight. But my trust is in you. None of the things the Lord has shown that he wants done can I do on my own. They're all dependent upon him. The Holman Illustrated Bible Dictionary says that the New Testament continues to speak of God as the source and object of hope. Paul wrote that God who raises the dead in whom we have placed our hope, 2 Corinthians 1. We put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of everyone, 1 Timothy 4. Peter telling his readers, your faith and hope are in God in 1 Peter 1. He is the God of hope. So tonight or after this Bible study or tomorrow, whenever you listen to this, if you're having a problem in this area, I want you to check to see where your hope is in. Is it in the world? Is it in a political system? Oh my goodness, please stop. I'm so astounded that Americans, believers especially, are still fooled by politics and politicians. Your hope's in him. And Yeshua was, in that one scripture in Matthew 11, he was talking about the Jews being unnecessarily burdened with religious responsibilities laid on them by the the priests and the scribes and the rabbis and the Pharisees, burdens that they could never fulfill. He says it in Matthew 23, 4, For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. See, religion burdens you and nobody helps you with it. People that speak from a pulpit or a platform or a microphone or a podcast that burden you with rules and regulations, but don't t- don't want to walk with you through it, don't want to help you through it. That's what discipling is. That's why my relationship with Pastor Shelley was so special to me. Oh, yeah, he he helped birth me into the kingdom, and he fought for me, and he did some amazing things to finish the procedure, if you will along with other people that were praying, like my wife and my other members of my family and other people in the church. But Shelley walked with me. He helped me carry things. He, he made sure I understood. He discipled me. 
And the one reason I think we have so much dysfunction in the church is we have no discipleship. The older, more mature women are not trying to walk with the younger women. And now when you try to offer it, they don't accept it because they really don't understand it. They don't know what it is. We have lost the book of Acts formula. And I will tell you, once you experience it, church will never be the same for you again. And, and this, this burden, this religious nonsense, it, it rose up in the early church. Man, as my uh, father-in-law said in one of his sermons, man is incurably religious. And, and I think that is the absence of God in a heart that caused by the fall that the enemy has taken advantage of, he's taught mankind religion to keep them from desiring relationship. But at the council in Jerusalem, as the early church met to iron out their differences, there were Pharisees that came to believe in Yeshua that could not let go of the law. And in Acts 15, Peter had to set them straight. Verse 8, he says, God knows people's hearts. And he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He makes no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with the yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear. We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of Adonai Yeshua, Lord Jesus. But we believe that we are saved through the precious, undeserved grace of Lord Jesus, the Messiah, who makes us free of the guilt of sin and grants us eternal life just in the same way as they are. You have been around religious people, I have. Nothing's changed. Grace means nothing to them. And it goes on in Acts 15, the, the way the chapter ends is all of them, all the people at this meeting remain silent. And they listened attentively to Barnabas and Paul as they described all the signs and wonders, the attesting miracles that had that God had done through them among the Gentiles. And, you know, Acts 15 directly correlates to Mark 16. Signs and wonders confirms what the Lord is doing. So when Yeshua had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord was working with them and confirming the word by the signs that followed. We've lost the desire for this. Oh, we want the show. We want the manifestations. Signs and wonders follow the word. They don't precede the word. They don't replace the word. Signs and wonders follow the word. And when the word is there and the word is spoken and it's anointed by the Holy Spirit, signs and wonders happen. It's one aspect I miss of, of preaching to a group of people. 
because whenever that happens, signs and wonders happen. Relationship brings liberty. That's why I pound on that. Religion brings bondage. I didn't always understand that. It took me leaving the formal church and us creating our home church and then going through various things as the Lord stripped me and broke me free of religion. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Messiah made us free. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Let me say it again. Relationship, intimacy brings liberty. Religion brings bondage. Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible says, Bondage is anything that fastens or restrains subjection or slavery. The basic concept in the Hebrew and the Greek translate bond or bondage is loss of freedom. The concept connotes servitude to another. How can any preacher or teacher speak or teach in such a way that he takes away the very thing that the Lord died for and rest his rest, that supernatural rest is relief from bondage. You can't carry the weight. You just can't. You can't do enough. You can't pray enough. You can't do anything enough to get that kind of freedom. That's the spirit in you. And we can trust that his burden is light. And I didn't understand that at first. It took him explaining it to me. It took him showing me that the heaviness and the tiredness and the exhaustion, that everything that I had accumulated through my efforts to keep going, to keep performing, to keep answering the call, to living up to the expectations of others, wasn't him. Until finally I had that light bulb moment. Hey, what's wrong with this picture? Well, it wasn't a picture painted by him. It's a picture painted by man. Now, if you if you have a formal uh, place that you go, a fellowship, what you will see, if you haven't seen it already, is that 1% to 2% of the people do all the work. And what happens? They get burned out. They quit. They go away. Some just can't do it anymore. And they don't understand why they feel that way. I'll tell you why you, you, you feel that way. The place you're at is out of order. It's dysfunctional. It's not his design. The International Standard Bible Encyclopedia says expectation is one of the three Greek words translated in the New Testament by expect. Proso dokayo, meaning to look forward for, toward what will probably occur. Let me do that again. Rewind. Meaning to look forward toward what will probably occur, whether in hope or dread. See, expectation is both good and bad. The, the man at the temple beautiful, the lame man in Acts 3, 
when Peter and John were going in at the ninth hour to pray, and that man had been laying there since he was a little boy, and he begged there every day, and he was asking for alms, and he sees Peter and John about to go into the temple, and he begs, and he fixes his eyes on him, and Peter says, on John and Peter, and, and Peter says, look at us. And at that moment, he gave them his attention because he was expecting to receive something from them. Oh, wouldn't it be awesome if people just looked at you expecting to receive Yeshua from you? See, that lame man had hope and an expectation that when he saw Peter and John that they would give him something. It turned out they didn't have money, but what they gave him was even better. The Jews were expecting Messiah. They had an expectation. Now, they had it wrong, but they had an expectation. That's why John the Baptist in Luke 3 reminds them, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John had an expectation, and then he saw his cousin, and he, the, the Spirit came down and the whole bit. And, but even John lost his way. He lost that expectation. He lost his hope. See, if you don't keep your eyes on Jesus, if you don't continually see him, if you don't continually talk to him and pray with him and spend time with you, you, you lose that. You lose the way. You lose your, your, your focus. I'm, I'm not asking you to memorize Scripture, though that helps. I'm not asking you to read every book of the Bible, though, although it's good. You should have done it at least once. What I'm saying is to set your eyes and your heart on the Lord. Start the day, end the day, throughout the day with Him. And then listen and accept what he says, even if it's what you don't want to hear. That's when he, he and I met today. It was to clarify some things. And as I kept trying to tweak what he was saying back in my direction, he got a little annoyed with me. And his tone changed. I got it. I got the message. But my hope is not in me. It's in him. James 5, verses 7 and 8, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until he, it receives the early and the latter rain? You also be patient. Establish your heart for the coming, hearts, plural, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. If I asked you today, May 18th, 2022, did you even think about the second coming. Did you even think about the Lord coming back? I news for you. I start my day there. I see what's going on in the world. I see the mistreatment of people and animals. I see the murder and the bloodshed. I see the lying. I see the debauchery. I see the demonic activity. <laughs> and I so desire for the Lord to come back. But Ephesians 1.10 keeps me focused that 
in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Messiah, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In the fullness of times. We're not there yet. The fullness of times hasn't happened. We have an earnest expectation. It's vivid. It's, it's, it describes your reaching out towards an object, like a, like a child who knows that you, what you've got in your hand, that bottle or that food or, or just you. They want to be hugged. They want to be held. They want to be comforted. And they reach out. They have an earnest expectation of feeling you, holding them, assuring them, loving them. I know I feel that way a lot lately. I'm not about somebody picking me up and holding me. I'm sure. No, I'm not sure. That's not going to happen. But if what I'm saying is I have a, an expectation and a desire of the Lord. Remember that weariness. At those moments, I just want to be like John and lay my head on his chest. Just Give, give me a few minutes here, Lord. Let me catch my breath. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against his will, all creation was subjected to God's curse but with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present times. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, for we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. Well, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Larry and I were talking about that today, the glorified bodies. The, to be able to do the job and the things he's called us to do with SRT, with with the uh, firefall, with the porch, all those things, it's going to take physical exertion. It's going to take him changing our mortal bodies, quickening our mortal bodies. But I know the day will come when none of my ancestral programming will be a part of the equation. We are born again, yes. Our spiritual bodies have been redeemed. We don't have our physical bodies redeemed as yet. Therefore, we are still under the programming of our DNA. But that doesn't mean I can't pray against it. That doesn't mean I can't ask him to mute it or stop it. Both sides of my lineage have heart and blood pressure issues. Well doesn't matter that those have finally reared their head in my life. I don't accept it. 
and I'm constantly petitioning him to change my obligation to my DNA. But I know that someday all of that will be gone. See, we're given hope. That's why I say don't, don't lose hope. It may look really bad right now. But you're one moment, one day away from a miracle. You're one moment, one day, one blink of an eye away, away from some supernatural manifestation. Don't lose hope. If it's not today, it could be tomorrow. And if it's not tomorrow, it'll be the next day. Get up each day believing that that's today. And if it doesn't happen, go to bed thinking that tomorrow's the next day. If you get into that mindset, the heaviness and the weariness and the depression will lessen. You know, Simeon, in Luke chapter 2, he had a hope, he had an expectation that before he died, he would see the Messiah. And so when Mary and Joseph brought Yeshua to the temple to be circumcised, his spirit jumped he felt it inside of him. And he took the baby in his arms. And he realized that what he had hoped for was right there in his hands. He said, You are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. He could have said, My eyes have seen Yeshua. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. And the glory of your people, Israel. And Simon blessed them. And looked at Mary and said, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. And for a sign which it will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your soul also. And the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon had an expectation every day when he sat there at the temple that he would see the Messiah. The dispensation of the fullness of times mentioned in Ephesians came for Simeon that day. I wonder if people said to him, you foolish old man, you're never going to see it. It's never going to happen. He's holding it in his hands. The baby, salvation. Didn't matter what any of those people said to him at that moment. We have a confident expectation. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he's coming back. We don't know when. The signs are all there. But we have hope. We have an expectation it's going to happen. And, and I don't know what you believe. I mean, I know some of you. But I really don't know what all of you believe. I don't know if you think about these things. I don't know who you listen to beside me. But I will tell you this. His word is true. And Yeshua is coming back. We live in a state of grace. Unmerited favor. We live in a way 
that we have a confident assurance of obtaining that which we long for. And and I thought about that. I thought about the, the scriptures in Romans that talk about, in Romans 5, through him we also have faith, by faith in this remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand. Let us rejoice in our hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God, the manifestation of his excellence and power, and not only this, but with joy. Let us exalt in our sufferings and rejoice in our hardships, knowing that hardship, distress, pressure, trouble produces produces patient endurance. And endurance, proven character, spiritual maturity, and proven character, hope, and confident assurance of eternal salvation. Such hope in God's promises never disappoints us. Because God's love has been abundantly poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So if we have a confident assurance of obtaining what we longed for. I wrote down a couple of questions. Do you long for it? Only you can answer that. And Do you long for it? Do you long for seeing him face to face? I mean, every time I know someone who passes on, my first thought, is they've seen Yeshua face to face. They've been able to hug him and feel his hug. Do you long for, does it? Line, does what you long for line up with his will and his word? I think most people get depressed and discouraged because they're longing for and hoping for something that he never wanted them to have. But if it does line up with his will and his word, then have an expectation for it. If your healing lines up with his will and his word, then expect it. And don't get discouraged if it doesn't happen when you want it to. Maybe you're going through the maturing process. Maybe you're being tested, distress, pressure, and trouble to produce patient endurance. The one thing I've learned in my walk is when I go through something for a prolonged period of time, it means I'm not getting the lesson. And I'm finally at the point where I can admit that. I'm finally at the point where I can admit my strength, though remarkable in my youth and through most of my adult life, I can't trust. I can't hope in that. My hope is in him. I have to allow him to do it through me and for me. But there's another expectation. It's called the fearful one. Proverbs 10:28. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. Now, we don't want to talk about that. Oh, my goodness. We don't want to talk about judgment. I posted that on Facebook and NSRT and my Instagram. We don't want to talk about the woes, the coming judgment. 
But if we believe he is who he says he is, and if we believe the outcome is what he said it will be, then we must acknowledge that judgment is coming. Judgment begins at the house of the Lord, not in the unsaved world. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27 says, Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there's no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There's only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. So many young people today, so many people in what's called the progressive church, they don't want to hear about judgment. They don't want to hear about fire. They don't want to hear about any of those things. They've been lied to. And there's so many things that are not in our control. But there's a divine meeting in every event in our life. If God doesn't do it, he's allowing it. I really believe that. Whatever happens in my life is either by his hand or because he's allowed it to happen. Nothing happens in my life unless he allows it. And everything has a time and everything has a season. And we need to understand and discern them. And the hardest part of what I just said is taking our desires out of the equation. It's not about what you want. It's about what he wants. It's his will done his way. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Our hope is in him and from him, not from our circumstances. And I have a quote here from the Eliot's commentary on the whole Bible, written by A.J. Mason, the epistles of Paul, the apostle of the Thessalonians. And this is what he writes. And I'll use his terms, not terms I normally use. A Christian's joy does not spring from his circumstances, but from the blessings that are his because he is in Christ. He's in Messiah. The Christian, he says, quote, who remains in sadness and depression really breaks a commandment. In some direction or other, he mistrusts God, his power, his providence, his forgiveness. See, the plans he has, his will, his way, his time, and his season will happen. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work of God that God does from the beginning to the end, except that he does it from the beginning to the end. And that's that Hebrews 11 thing, the hope, the substance, the evidence Without faith, it's impossible to please him, Hebrews 11.6 says. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, he is God, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If it pleases him, because we are trusting in him alone, it inspires us to seek him. And if we seek him, we find him, because Hebrews 11 Hebrews 13.8 says, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Malachi 3.6, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Matthew 24.35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So I'm going to leave you with this, and then I'm going to pray. Hope does not pass away. Don't lose hope.
walk by faith and not by sight and do it in expectation. Father, touch your children right now, all who have heard this message, wherever they are in this process. Encourage them, touch them, heal them. Take away the spirit of heaviness. Lay upon them the garment of praise from heaven itself. Take it off that rack up there in in the throne room and lay it upon their shoulders. Give them rest. Take away the weariness. Take away the lies. Take away the false teaching. Take away everything that has burdened them and beat them down. And infuse in them Holy Spirit-empowered hope. Stir up that expectation that they once had. Set them free, Lord. Set them free and glorify yourself through us. Let us show others. Let us lead others. Let us... Love on others, touch them, hug them, heal them, deliver them. Let us lead them to you and fulfill the Great Commission. But do it in hope and total expectation, knowing that you are the author and the finisher of our faith, knowing that you've gone before us, that you've shown us how to do it, that you've made the way where there was no way, that your Spirit is is touching us right now, healing us down to the core of our being down to the DNA level, down to the cellular level, healing our hearts, taking away the wounds, breaking off the chains and all the burdens that are put upon us by traditions or false expectations or words spoken over us that were never from you. We wait, we believe, and we receive In Yeshua's name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. Bless you in the name of Jesus. This has been The Porch on Firefall. Talk Radio.